with us tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. So we're going to go ahead and get started. For those who are joining us, who this is your first time coming across this live, my name is Jewel Guy. I almost said Anderson. My name is Drew Guy, and I'm the author and the creator of Dear Black Men. And this is my amazing husband, Desmond Guy, who was my primary muse for the book. Dear Black Men is about creating safe space for Black men to be heard and understood. So what started as a daily commitment that I made to myself basically happened through Facebook is now a book that is traveling all around the world. And we're just so glad that you're here with us for these live sessions this evening. So tonight we have two wonderful guests. And right now, if you guys can just introduce yourselves, who you are, who you be, and how you show up in the world. You go first. Me? Yeah, you. Okay. I play off you. I like playing off you. All right. Well, you know, whatever you like. (laughs) That's what it's like today. We don't know what it's going to be like tomorrow. She might say, I'm going to take the lead. Like, who knows? You know what I mean? We kind of flow with it, which is kind of how we do it. Uh, But my name is Keith Maskell. I'm an actor, producer, uh, mental health advocate, and... I'm a damn sneakerhead, and I am the founder of The Triggered Project, shattering the silence, nurturing the healing of uh, black and brown male survivors of abuse with the use of art. We are also, besides just working with survivors, we're working with brothers in general around their mental wellness, around redefining masculinity, and workshops, you know, all kinds of stuff. But we have a one-man show called Triggered Life. Um, where I tell part of my story as a survivor. There's another character that I play as well, who that character represents for the brothers that haven't spoken and can't speak. And those that character is a composite of interviews from survivors, but also people who have disclosed to me as well. So we have that as part of the project. The other thing is, of course, I'm also one of the co-hosts for a Living a Triggered Life podcast with my wonderful wife here, part of the project. And that, I'll just stop right there. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Roxanne Masco. I'm the other half of this one. Sometimes a better half, sometimes not so better. <laughs> Depends. And I'm a licensed clinical social worker currently working in a college counseling center doing psychotherapy with um, primarily students of color. I've been in the social work hustle for a very long time. Very interesting journey, as I'm sure all of us have interesting journeys of how we got into this hustle of social work and advocacy and activism and so on. I'm the lead clinician on the Trigger Project. And so I've played a very great role trying to help bring the realness besides whatever is there that's real, but also bringing the outside context of how I see the world from a social work perspective and sort of sprinkling that all in the project in many different ways. And as Keith said, the other co-hosts where we talk a lot about us and Black love. Let's see, what else do I do? I'm a part of a Black social worker group. I mean, it's just a hustle. We try to be a part of everything and all the time because that's the only way we survive is by connecting with each other. Can I forget it? No, you're good. All right. Thank you. It keeps me, it keeps track. I mean, you know, when, when you got great, you got a great per, great partner and things like that. You only want her to shine. You know what I mean? You only want her to represent herself to her full self. And so, you know, I'm always like, oh, you got to say this. You got to say that. I'm a big cheerleader. So. 
Awesome. I actually, so I listened to your, your first episode of your podcast. Thank you. And it's and that you say that because that's what I noticed. You're like, well, what else do you do? And you're a social worker. Well, tell me about that. <laughs> and how is that different from a therapist? I love that because my husband would do that too. Well, tell me more. <laughs> tell me more about that. But always just lifting each other up. I love it. And I, I think it's beautiful. I want to start by asking what led you to start the Triggered Project now? Because most of us have traumas and abuse in some form. And I, I like the statement that you said, you, you are there for those men who, um, who can't speak or like don't know how to speak, right? I think that word voiceless is always thrown out. There's something that resonates with me about those ones who cannot speak. Right. Not the ones who just won't, but cannot speak. So right. what, what is about now? that makes the Triggered Project so vital um, for you personally and then for your audience? Thank you. That's a great question. And thank you for, for hearing that little component, because I think that's really that's really important. For some people, silence is a choice, right? And we, we've been able to see that with the, the recent events and, and things like that. But sometimes it, it, it's, it's a journey to speak. And that's something that I've been on for a good while. And, you know, I've been working on, we started out working on a, on a film project that had to deal with the subject. That's how things started about three years ago. And then we started to develop a one-man show off of that character. And the gentleman I was working with, a great writer, uh, John Adekoje, asked me for my story because we needed balance. And I said, yeah, I'd already been writing and things like that. And it wasn't even a thought just because I have such a, a trust with him that we started it. And, you know, I kind of made the choice at that point. Okay, I'm going to do this. And it was kind of a almost a snowball effect. It's like once you open up that box or that, that snowball that gets, you know, and I started to speak. But I started to think about the people in my family. I started to think about the men in my family. I started to think about the other survivors that are in my family and even my mom who was a survivor. And I felt like there was a lot of people who couldn't speak. They couldn't. They tried, but they couldn't mm -hmm. speak. And I felt like I was in a position to use my art to start speaking in hopes that it would engage other men and, and other people to be able to speak too. Because that was the one thing that's always really difficult for us as men, yes, to be vulnerable, yes, but also to be vulnerable about our trauma and what has happened to us. That's really, really tough. And so that's why it was important for me to go from just having the one man show to creating the Triggered Project. Because everything that I learned about being a man were all the things that are, were in my way to healing. Mm. Everything. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm West Indian and, and stuff and Barbados and, you know, the whole night. So all the great things I learned and all the great things, great, yes. But still, it was really tough. And so I felt like there was more that I could do. There's more that we could do because we were also looking for something to work on together, how art and social work and, and social activism and everything. And it seemed like this was the project. And as more as we started to develop the show, I felt like there's more. And then that's where the idea of the podcast came about. So it's even more important now because of the events and mental health and black men and black folks and things like that. But we've been on this journey for a couple of years now. That's awesome. <sighs> I just want to take that in for a second. I think about the history of trauma. You talk about your mom and people in your family and how they have tried to speak out. God, I'm getting emotional. Okay. <laughs> because it's the same with my family. And there are times when people have like looked at my life and have said like, 
you know, well, how is it that, you know, you forgive everything? How is it that you're moving forward, right? One thing that really resonated with me about your podcast, Roxanne, you were saying that people need to understand, like, your triggers don't go away. Mm -hmm. They don't go away. Right, Roxanne, I would love for you to, like, speak more towards that because I think as we think about healing, sometimes we think that it's in an instant that something is going to happen. Something may have been cracked open for us, but I I feel like your statement about the way that we are still triggered in that process of healing is really essential for for what we can look forward to and and how we gauge our expectations of healing. Yeah. So, and thank you for that, because that speaks volumes to what I think is problematic for healing and gets in the way besides the not being welcome to the party, right? People are afraid of their membership and their families being canceled. That's real. And it happens to people. And so that hinders that. The vulnerability hinders it, that we've never seen anybody really be vulnerable in our lives growing up. So how would we know how to do it? And so I hate to say it like this, but I'm listening to listening to you formalize the question, the first thought that came to me was our trauma grows up with us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like a, um, an invisible friend, if you will, in some instances and in other instances, the most damaging friend, toxic friend that we can ever have in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we don't know about it, right? So we have friends, like real life friends, that we know they're toxic for us, right. but we don't set any boundaries. Right. We go along with it. It's, it's very similar in that way. And sometimes that friend, that trauma friend is, is a comfort to us sometimes, mm-hmm. right? It allows certain things. Sometimes we hide it behind it. And so I just want to be clear that my point is we evolve. And the trauma that we experience evolves with us. And sometimes that gives us the wrong message. And the message sometimes is, I'm good. I don't need yeah. I'm good. Or I went to a couple of times in therapy. I feel great. Right? Yeah, you feel great. But the issue is, do you want to feel great in that moment? Or do you yeah. want greatness? And that's mm-hmm. a choice that you have to make prior to getting into therapy or prior to getting to whatever healing recovery method that works for you. Because there's a lot of different ways to do this. It's not just talk therapy. There's other things that heal us as a black community, black and brown. And we have to be clear that sometimes a little, it's it's like uh, I'm Puerto Rican, so we make beni, which is a roasted pork, right? There is, we use adobo, right? We make adobo from scratch. There's a lot of different herbs and spices and adobo that we put in the pilon, the mortar, and we do this too, we grind it down. It's very similar. Therapeutic healing recovery needs to be like that. It needs to be an adobo. It's got to be a whole sprinkling of a whole bunch of different things that make us feel good, make us feel solid. So the issue is, are we recognizing that we are growing up with this trauma and evolving and then thinking that we're in a better place? Because maybe now we have more control in our life because when we experienced the trauma, we were young. And maybe now we can make decisions, but we're not sort of connecting that sometimes our decisions are based on that trauma. Mm. And we're not recognizing it, but we recognize when we're not successful in certain areas of our lives. Mm. Relationship. I don't know why. I have been around a bunch of black women that say, I don't understand why I can't find somebody, somebody that fits me. And sometimes because you need to look at yourself first, baby girl, right? You can't expect from the outside, right, without giving anything to it because laws of attraction, 
You put out what you get back in. Real talk. Right. Absolutely. I, I thank you for that because that spoke to me like volumes because I've been to therapy a couple times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so like just recently, I had reached out to a friend to find a black woman therapist because just like you said, I put things on my back and I carry and I think I, I do really good. Right. Right. Until I don't. Mm. And so um, I'm learning how to like manage and navigate trauma. But even just sitting here talking to you about this makes me think, like, dang, how great that therapist is about to be. <laughs> because then I don't have to like put that weight on my husband. Yeah. Or, you know, like, you know, try to go in and do this, this full dump. Right. Yep. So now that we're talking about that, like, what does what does that look like for you in relationships? You being a social worker, right, and having the experience, the technical terms to actually identify things. How does that work with you both? And I'll, I'll just kind of um, clarify what I want to understand. Like when you guys first were starting to like get together in your marriage, right? Obviously, trauma was already present. How did you navigate how that showed up? Um, not well. Uh, not well. <laughs> <laughs> we looked at it. We suck. We suck. Um. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I just want to say one thing about what you said about the bag. The first step sometimes is handing out the bags that don't belong to you. Yes. Right. Because then your load is lighter. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you're carrying is actually yours. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And then maybe you don't need a whole dump truck. I like that. Right. No, no. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. The other other thing about the other thing about the journey of the trigger project and stuff like that. You know, I had to try to figure out what my wellness package looked like. This is something that I talk to men about all the time is like, well, what does your wellness package look like? Like, where's your faith? Where's your therapy? Where, where's your hanging out with the fellas? Where's your athleticism? Where are you going to play ball and or wherever you're going to do? All these things is our wellness package. You know, when I got into therapy and stuff, I wanted to be a better man for myself. I had to be a better man for my wife, right? And so I needed to make that commitment because I could no longer go on the way I was. And I was just kind of making it. You know what I mean? It was acting, doing all kinds of things. But in all actuality, I wasn't making it in the way that I needed to. And so I had to make that commitment to her, to myself, to our relationship. Yeah. And that was a that was a key turning point. You know what I mean? And and sometimes I have to I got to look at it like that. And our relationship is so much better because we each are handling our business. She's responsible for her for her wellness and and. I'm responsible for some of it as well, but individually, I'm responsible for taking care of my business. I have, she's responsible for taking care of her business and together we're responsible for handling our business, right? We were both a damn mess. There was no question about it. You're talking about triggered back and forth and, you know, like, woo, you know, Roxanne was off the hook. (laughs) She was off the, she was a firecracker, but (laughs) like legitimately, legitimately, You know what I mean? Like punkin' dudes. Like, it was unbelievable. So, but I understood her. I understood what that was. I didn't get intimidated by the fact that, you know, that that she could be assertive in that way. You know, and we'd have red light talks. Blue. Be blue? I would say red, but it's blue. It's Sorry. Blue. Thank you. We'd have these blue light conversations. Like legit a blue like legit, light? Like legit. Like legit blue light. Huh? Yeah, tell us more about that. What's blue light? We used to have, we used to have, we had a blue light bulb in the place where she was staying at, and we would turn on this blue light, and we have these heart-to-heart conversations. Wait, no, wait, no. What? Sorry, let's just be real. No, go ahead. We were sexing up, and then we had these conversations. That's right. Let's just be 
Because thank you for that's important is because that level of intimacy is when we're at the most uh, vulnerable point, right? There's no, there's nothing in between us, right? right? And so it allowed the opportunity to be open, right? And then have these conversations. Carry on. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Right, she's right. We'd have these blue light, we'd have these blue light conversations, but even before that, I courted her for like six months talking on the phone. We talked a lot about a lot of different things. She helped me with a Malcolm X paper, like all kinds of things where we had this connection. So I think that made a big difference because we had a certain comfort level with each other, you know, before we really started seeing each other. But the blue light, but those blue light talks, they were everything because we could really, really talk to each other, you know, and tell each other what we could. I think that's also the key thing. Oftentimes we're relationships and stuff like that. And we're like, there's some stuff that like when you can't speak, sometimes there's stuff that we haven't dealt with yet that we can't speak to tell our other person. Right. And that's a process. So I always say, I know everything that she has told me. Mm, that's that's not, good. That's not shade. That's the truth. Right. But I honor that. I honor that. Mm-hmm. We try to be as honest as much as we can, you know, but sometimes the trauma stuff gets in the way and then it's a little, it's a little more difficult and we got to figure that out. Yeah. I think the trauma stuff actually, for us, it skews what we see, what we hear, right? So I talk to Keith all the time. We, have, we go back and forth with this. Sometimes he has a certain facial expression. I get triggered, right? Because I, I grew up with a dad that it was the look. There were no words. It was just a look. I knew what mm-hmm. it meant. So sometimes when he gets that look over his face, I'm like, I get very, I'm off. I don't hear it. And mm-hmm. it, what ensues after that is most likely an argument because I'm like, well, you, fit. but I never really heard what he said, but I think I heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. a lot of stuff that would happen when we first got together. Those type of things. You know what I mean? I'd be like, what is going on? A certain time she'd be triggered and she'd be gone. She would be literally gone. I'm looking and going like, hey, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then I was like, whoa. I need I need to be aware of what's going on. I need to be more sensitive to what I do, how I approach. You know what I mean? I had to figure I had to figure that out. You know because there's no rule book to this. Yeah. No. no there's no instructions to this, and you can debrief it and go back again, and it's different every single time. So it right. takes a lot of it. Just you know, it really took a lot of patience. But I love this woman with all my heart, and so loving all of her is loving her trauma too and whatever comes with her. And I got to deal with that. And it was something that I didn't second guess because of, because of the connection, because of the love, because she was the one for me. Mm. At what point did you make the decision that I'm going to tweak my behavior? I'm going to be more sensitive. I'm going to do all of these different things. Cause like you said, there are no rule books. Right. And I think my question really is, did that happen before or after you chose to take care of your personal wellness? Ooh, that's a good <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Um, in steps. I tried. Just <laughs> went that way. Of course, as you get as you start to get yourself together, your attempts are a lot better. But I was trying. I made that decision early on. But uh, let me let me be hundred percent transparent. There was some craziness that went down that. I had to handle my business. Bad people around me, like it was just, put it this way. The hurt little boy was running things and the man wasn't. 
Mm, got it. And okay. they got caught up. They got caught out there. Right. And the little boy got caught out there in just an unsafe situation. And yeah. so I had to own that. I had to deal with that. And I had to make that choice. So I just want to be 100% transparent. And when I made that choice about therapy and whatever, and it's not like she hadn't talked to me about it and whatever, but I couldn't. I was like, oh, no, mm-mm. no, we, we need to no, we need to get this little boy under control and get him tucked back in because he cannot run things, you know? I love that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm still accountable for what, but here's the thing. We're still accountable. When our little person inside, her little person yeah. inside of us was running things, we're still accountable for what happened. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult. That's actually difficult because it could be some things that we're not proud of. It could be whatever. At well, that it point. usually is. Yeah. I mean, it, that's where the pain comes from. It right. usually is. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about as Keith was talking about the little boy running things is I got my own little girl who runs things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They are like children, right? Running around. And they, when I was talking about the trauma growing up, it was them who was growing up through that trauma. They're still a part of us. And they always will be. Like, for me, that little girl is always going to be a part of me, right? That trauma little girl. The thing is, am I going to get to a place where I'm going to recognize how that little girl is holding me back in Mm. my life? That's right. How is that little girl holding me back in my relationship? And what's more important here? The little girl running the show or what my goals are for my wellness? Because I already grew up with tons of trauma. Do I want the rest of my life to be that? And so you have a point, and unfortunately for Keith, it was a dark moment. And, you know, it was sort of like we had this conversation in the street, mind you. (laughs) Let me just set it up on a nice Sunday in the street. In the street. Like, it was like, I don't know, like New York Union Square. It was not like there weren't people running all around us. And I was like, two seconds from giving you your walking paper, sir. Two figure it out, figure that shit out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. but in saying that, I also was like, and I'm still here. I'm mm-hmm. here. But this is what I need you to do, sir. Yeah. So what I hear you saying that is that not only did you guys create a safe space for each other, but you had boundaries. It wasn't like a free for all, no, no. right? I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like we have seen in, in some of our relationships and our family of an older generation where you just, you know, stick and stay no matter what. Right. But what I hear you say is like, yep, I love you, I'm here, but guess what? Yeah. Here's the expectation, right? And in that, I hear that like, that's honoring yourself, right? Like, I love you, I support you, but also I (laughs) am going to honor myself in all of this. Like, I think that's something, I mean, we've been married for almost five years now and five centuries. (laughs) And And this is something that we have learned just like you, just like that, that step-by-step process. Because Desmond is eight years older than me, so he has been Why like, stop it! <laughs> so he's been working on himself for a while before I started. Four and a half months. Right. So for a very long time. And then when you, you two like get together, right. you have the work that you each have done, right. but also like now it's game time. It's like, mm-hmm. how do I use the knowledge that I've gained for myself and apply to myself and now be sensitive and discerning about this person that I'm like learning about right. and all of this. It's tricky. It's tricky. I love you. It's tricky. <laughs> 
It's but really tricky. That was what the blue light special That's was about. That's what the about. blue light special was about. We started talking about, well, I've been in this really jacked up relationship. So let me tell you what I don't want. And that's what was happening in those blue light special conversations. Right. No, you have to have, I mean, exactly. and then people always ask like, because we've been married for a long time, but like people are like, so what advice do you have? And I'm like, I really don't give advice, but here's what I'll say. If you're going to get married, right. y'all need to have a conversation about what the expectations are now if you've gone from boyfriend to girlfriend or whatever to now that you're married. Yeah. What changes? I, I don't think people realize it's different when you. I don't think people really realize that it's different. Yeah. You know, yeah, we walk in, right. We walk in with the expectations and we don't necessarily talk about it. Right. Yes. We don't talk about it. And that's a real honest, that's a, those are some real honest and sometimes hard conversation, you know, and things build up like crazy, you know, so I'm thankful that we have had these, been able to have these conversations, whether they're hard or not, doesn't really make a difference is the fact that we're having them, you know, we try to roll through transitions, you know, and so this is the stuff that you're talking about and whatever is the stuff we're talking about on the podcast. We process some live stuff. Y'all going to hear about how we met and all the craziness. But we processed live. We had something where we were both triggered on the way to the studio and was like, no, hold it. Don't say nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> we get to the studio and we process, we literally processed live. We literally didn't finish mm-hmm. our story about how we met because we went clearly off. Like there is nothing that is rehearsed. We are a hundred percent, we are a hundred percent off the cuff in a lot yeah. of ways. But I think that. Being authentic in that way, like you have to. And the same way you all are interacting and being real in the moments, like I think that's what it's about. And we're hoping that, we're just really hoping that we can help, you know, that we can help some other folks and let them know that they're not in this, they're not in this by themselves. It's hard in COVID being locked up with somebody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, not really, not like that. Not like that. I can walk outside. No, it's, no, it's fine. We, we figure out our spaces. I'm being silly. But legitimately, that's the reason why we did drop the podcast at this moment, because it was like, how many of the black couples that are out here right now where they're trying to figure it out? Or someone's like, why? Why should be tripping? Why should be tripping? What's wrong with him? I don't know what's wrong with like all this stuff. And it's really not about either one of them. They're just both being one person is triggered. The other person gets triggered in response. And then you respond and then it keeps escalating and escalating and escalating. And then you start fighting about stuff that you don't even know why you fight it. I think we don't realize how much trauma bleeds. Why would we? Yeah. But why would we? Why would we realistically realize it yeah. when we are still dealing with the aftermath of this historical context of slavery? Right. Why wouldn't we? Intergenerational trauma. This has been a part of the history forever that is almost unrecognizable. Almost. That's not true because you have to work. But why would we? Who's showing us? Who's showing us the way out of it? We don't have a lot of that. And that's one of the reasons why we also did the podcast. We had all these friends that said, so you're the only people that I know that have been together that's black. For this long and you still look happy right mm. that's what Keith was talking about they're like please tell me how you did that I need to know how you did that and so we were like why don't we just share it why don't we just put it out there you know what I'm saying like that's sort of how we journey to that place because it is some of the things that we take is very uncomfortable like now because we were in that studio together it's just him and me I'm like oh, and when we leave, I'm like, 
oh shit wait <laughs> he's like yeah <laughs> and i'm like i'm not you know like part of his life is being an actor. I'm very quiet. I'm very yeah. behind the scenes. I'm very modest about what I say about myself, what I do. I don't really tell anyone. And when people start finding out, they're like, I didn't know you did that. And I'm like, well, I don't talk about it. I, yeah. For me, is I just do it because that's the right thing to do. I don't worry about any yeah. other crap. I just do things because that's what is the right thing to do. Wow. So since we're on the topic of sharing insights for relationships, mm-hmm. because so one of the common themes of this conversation was how would we know? Mm-hmm. Right? How do we start identifying these things? I know that like for me, there had to be with all these things. Change happens when pain comes too much. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it usually happens that way. It's, it's not like, oh, we're, I'm, I'm about a five today. I'll change something. No, it's usually like it's 10,000 and I have been, <laughs> I have been teetering and ignoring and sweeping under the rug long enough. I have to do something now. He said the change comes when you feel like you don't respect yourself anymore. And I think that might be, that's a level for me. For you personally, yeah, I think I think we all have I think we all have different points, mm-hmm. but I think say what it was for you. What was it for you? Like you say, we have different points, but what was the point for you? Was it that dark moment, or was it something else? I think in terms of me, in terms of uh, making sure that that I was getting my wellness together, I think the the, the dark moment was the last point. That was yeah. the last thing, right? Because there was stuff that I still hadn't. There's stuff, things that I still hadn't talked about, right? Because I'm a survivor of abuse, and I was abused by two people. One of them I talked mm-hmm. about and one I did not talk about. And so there was a lot of secrets within that second, within that second person. Right. Yeah. And so it was time to talk about that because right. that, I guess that was the pain that I had to right. release the second part. Right. right. And so I guess it was the tipping, you know, like something you said, you respect yourself, but yes, definitely. And respecting your partner. But I guess the pain just got, the pain was too much. And it was not just affecting me. Mm. It was affecting her. Right. To the point where I'm in a situation that's unsafe, which means she's in a situation that's unsafe. And mm. I'm like, so, oh, no. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not like, and, and it was like that before because I was, I didn't want to come to it. Like, I didn't even like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to talk about this. It was, it was way in there. It was, yeah. it, it was deep. It was, it was just, it was just a mess. And so, mm-hmm. so to answer your question, no, no, I just had this moment of going right. back to that moment, just no. being like mofo. <laughs> like, I just was like, I like it brought me back to that moment where I was like, I will kill you. I don't think you understand. <laughs> like, and then I started thinking about how my own experience of trauma created violence in me right and sort of letting that violence play itself out to the point that it was very harmful for me and so you know during that time like my first reaction was basically i'm kick your ass this is going down and that's always (laughs) my reaction he knows that it's always my reaction (laughs) it was it always has been even with random people on the street and one time this happened very early on and i just basically went left on this young man i was a young person too and the young man was being very disrespectful in general and said to keith yo man you better get your girl because i was going off 
And you said what to him? Why? She ain't mad at me. <laughs> so that's how you know who your who your dog, your ride and die person is when they're like, I ain't got nothing to do with me. And she that's tripped to the you. point like she tripped to the point like this. This is New York Bronx. Look, I don't know who you are talking to. Just like this to this dude. I kid you not. Just like uh, that. And I was just like, because she, she, you know, she get triggered and I would laugh. I was like, okay. But literally just like this, like, he's looking <laughs> at me and I'm like, well, you know, you ain't going to do anything. So like, you're just going to take it right. And he, and he literally, he literally took it. He literally, li- like, yeah, you're thinking like, sure, I want to take it. No, he literally took that because. In like, front of other people. Yeah. Other no, no, no. There was like. There it was, was like, like at the community pool. Yeah, there was like, there must have been like 30 people around, at least. And mm. it was like, it was, you know, but that, but when she gets to that, which doesn't happen really very much anymore. Ever. It ever, doesn't really happen. Doesn't really happen. But when she gets, to, when she's first thing out of her mouth is, is, is mofo. <laughs> it's about to go down. <laughs> it's about to go down. And the New York bravado comes up and that is the, that's how it gets back people away. Right. That's how she backs folks away. She's a person that talks in the third person on the bus. Right. I don't know why they got to be. I don't know why people got to be close to me like that. I don't know what's wrong with them. Shoot. Let someone get close to me. I'm like, just say the name. Just say who they are. Just point them out. But that's So I want want to circle back for a second because I saw someone ask what the question was. So, yes. so the initial question was like, usually it is a painful experience that causes us to change. And in Keith's case, it was the last straw for him. Right. So there were several points along the, the way that were flags, but that was the last straw. Not only. So to your point, you said that it was not only affecting you, but it was affecting your wife as well. Right. It, it seems like when it's someone that we love and is so close to us. Even though it is affecting us, we think about them first. Like, how is this hurting them? What's going on with them? Yeah. So, so pain is usually the trigger. I guess my, my last question would be in the relationship space. How can we begin to be proactive about asking the right questions, creating safe spaces and relationships? Because a lot of people say that they want these long-term forever relationships. But I know for a fact they don't know the work that's involved. So just in your opinion, how do you think that we can begin to be proactive in our relationships of having a serious intimacy? And what types of questions should we be asking each other? I mean, I think that if I think about our journey, I think we need to start with ourselves and figure out a little bit about what do we want. In that version, sometimes it's like you can do some life coaching versus therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Life coaching. What are your goals? What are your relationship goals? What do you want it to look like? And once you sort of get clear about your goals, and this is like a popular thing now, but there's something about it that really speaks to me. A vision board, right? You want to be married? Go and find a picture in a magazine of the dress that you want to be married in. Put that on your vision board because there's something to be said when you write down your goals and you think about the process and then you make it sort of visual for yourself. It integrates into your brain, right? It reminds you this is the goal. So now you're going to prioritize your life towards that specific goal, whatever it is it might be for you. For me, and we didn't talk about what my trigger point was, but my trigger point was all body image. What do I want my body to look like? How do I want to present myself to the world? What do I feel comfortable with? 
right? Why do I feel this way about my body, right? So that trigger point for me got me to the place of what is my goal? How do I heal? Because something bad happened to my body. My body remembers that. It always remembers that and what goes along with it, right? And so that's how I got to my place of wanting to sort of heal and be better. And so I think that that is the first step itself. The second step is really, and this might sound funky, but I say this to a lot of um, young people that I talk to because I don't know what I would do if I was dating right now, but I'd probably kill somebody. But anyway, let's not, let's, not, let's not go back to the Bronx. But do one to three couples counseling. That can be in the church. That can be with an elder in your family. That could be a therapist. Sort of figure out what the two of you want together at a time when there isn't a crisis. See, this is the thing. We want to go to couples therapy when we're already like undone and spiraling out of control. And then it takes all this work and effort that nobody wants to do because it's a drain to get to the compromising space where we can learn to understand each other. Well, let's flip it. Let's start that at the very beginning of our relationship. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about communication goals. Why wait until we're in a crisis? Why are we rushing to be married? Why are we rushing to live together? Why are we doing Mm -hmm. everything? I think one thing that really helped us be successful is that we were separated by distance for six months. So we spoke every day on the phone. Yeah. Right? And we joke about it, but we were having sex with our brains. No question. That's what we were doing. No question. Really, we were just getting it on that way and we learned about each other. So we really knew each other very well because we didn't sort of have the bodies in that proximity of each other. So let's right. flip it. Let's do some counseling before we get started so that we clear, you clear with what I want, I'm clear what you want. And then now, we have a place where we work towards something and it may or it may not work, but that's fine. Be okay with that. Practice the work to be vulnerable with somebody. Practice that because we don't usually have role models that have been vulnerable and shown us vulnerability. So that's sort of like what I would say at the beginning steps of how to get to the place of what your goal is. And if your goal is to be in a strong, healthy relationship, then find a picture and put that on your vision board to remind yourself what it looks like, right? Because that picture represents to you what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Awesome. I would say, um, I'm always like that where she says stuff and I'm like, wow. For me, I think it is definitely the self piece. I think sometimes we're looking for someone to fix us and we're looking for someone to fix. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oftentimes, those are the things that we're looking for. And I think we have to start with self. Or some people say they want to be chosen. Oh, yeah. I've heard that a lot. I want to be chosen. I want someone to choose me. <laughs> and that doesn't always work. But the more we're vulnerable with ourselves, it's yeah. key. But I think it takes patience. I think we rush too much. I think we rush, which is valid because we want to be with someone else. We want to make these things work. But I think, I think it's just a gradual process. But the more we're comfortable with ourselves, mm-hmm. the more we can be comfortable with, with someone else, but also know when someone else is not for us. Because that's the thing that happens. When we don't know ourselves and the little person is running and we don't know it, we're going to attract someone that should, that's not right for us. And we'll see all the yeah. red flags. And walk right by them. And walk right by those <laughs> flags. Yeah. So it's a full process. You know, finding someone to be vulnerable with is difficult at times. It's really tough. Mm-hmm. And I know it's tough. It's tough for us as men. 
sometimes because we need to be vulnerable. However, there's times when I have to be incredibly vulnerable and she's looking at me like, wait a minute, you can't be vulnerable right now because what's that mean for me? Mm. What's that mean for me if, if you're not playing the role that you always play? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to give that up for right now. I just need to fall apart for a second. I'll come back together, but I just need this. I just need this moment. You know, we switch back and forth. Who's going to do what? and whatever else. Sometimes I tell her, I'm like, am I your girlfriend? I feel like I'm your girlfriend today. <laughs> right? Sometimes sometimes it's like that. But I have no problem in putting her in a dominant role. And it's not just because, right? I get to feel what that's like. But there's certain times when I can just slide back. I can sit there for an hour and say absolutely positively nothing and be completely okay with that and let her do what she do. And mm-hmm. I think that is something else. It's all about what the roles are. We're a team. And so within the team, you do what you need to do to get the W. Yeah. If you're in it together, you're not really worried about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of how it is. And once you understand that, then some of the little stuff doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? It's not the infighting, like, like Michael Jordan and the Bulls. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? There's <laughs> none of that, you know, like, there's none of that kind of bickering in that way because you understand what the common goal is. Right. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Patience, self-love. Mm-hmm self-discovery and that intergenerational trauma is tough because it's what has gotten us as black folks through for so long how have we survived because we had to tuck and keep moving right we had to tuck and keep moving and we had to protect the next generation from the truth at certain points and to protect them from what we went through but oftentimes it also is about the person that's passing is also protecting themselves from what they're running from Mm. you know what i'm saying i mean like we're sitting behind my great grass i'm in the background in barbados you know what i'm saying like but their story which i know a good amount about there was some trauma and some stuff that hasn't been talked about that definitely has been passed you know and and got to figure that out for us and for them yeah absolutely that is a great place to take a pause and a deep breath man (laughs) first of all i just want to say thank you so much for being with us tonight seriously (laughs) it was just so much nourishment for us and i hope that everybody who is here who peek their head in and will peek their head in for the replay will take this in and do some self-evaluation, some self-discovery, and start taking away the layers so that vulnerability can be accessed. Right. Please let everyone know how they can follow you, how they can find your podcast, and support your work. Let me first give a, a shout out to our sister queen, Dr. Denise Davison out of Morgan State. She is un believable and one of our biggest supporters and someone has just been supporting our work in general. She's on right now. So we just have to give her the utmost love and respect, but she inspires us to continue to do this work. So let me just say that you can follow me at just at Keith Maskell. You can follow us at living a triggered life podcast. We are on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts right now. And you also can follow The Triggered Project at www.triggered1.com. It gives us all the information. And if y'all are looking for a movie on Amazon Prime, watch Confused by Love. That's a pretty cool movie. I'm in it. I help produce it. The lead actor in it as well. It's about relationships. That's what we're doing. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is so good. 
Roxanne is saying so you can follow Roxanne at <laughs> at Roxanne Maskell. You can check out the website. Just Google Roxanne Maskell come up as well. I just got to make sure that, you know, she's always like, why you got to throw out all the, all the names? I'm like, no, people need to find you. So that's right. And, and I'll make sure I put your, um, all of your tags inside of the description for IGTV. So I just want to affirm everyone who is on the line with us, who is in this space, sharing space. I just want to say that we love you, that we honor your existence, that we see you, that you are necessary, that you are vital, and that there is no one else like you in the universe. And so all of the work that you all are doing, I ask you to please continue to do the work, continue to share your light, continue to share your love. You guys are definitely authentic. You are in it and people are prospering because of you, whether you know it or not. So I just want to say that we believe in you. Continue to do the work. Reach out if you need something. We definitely want to have you guys back because I got a whole lot more questions. (laughs) We got number time right now at night. You know what I'm saying? So we can get it. We can do a series. We I want to hear more from Desmond anyway. I want to hear more from him. <laughs> so we'll schedule you for the next one because IGTV will cut us off at 59 minutes and 59 seconds. Uh-huh. So we give thanks to you guys. Thank Everyone, you, please you. follow this Our Couple. Follow us here at JewelGuy.co. Get to your black men if you haven't gotten it yet. Check out Trigger One. And we will see you next Wednesday with another powerful, impactful black man or a black couple. We love you. Thanks for being with us tonight. We'll see you guys soon. Ashay. Ashay.